1: led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
0: Is your wallet a little lighter than usual after the holiday season? Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply.
1: Welcome to the Situation Room.
0: Hey everybody, welcome
2: back to another episode of the Situation Room. I'm Jordan Coe, and I'm here with my co-host, um, Gabe Ferguson. You guys can find me at Raven Sit Room, and you can find him at Gabe Fergie. And uh, Gabe, this was, this was, this was the start of, I think, what we. Wanted to see from this Ravens team this week?
3: Yeah, I mean, especially, or I'll say at least on the offensive side of the ball. Um, we kind of had some thoughts going into this season about the players that would be available. Um, we thought, you know, running backs coming back, offensive line improvements would be key. Um, and then obviously, you know, Lamar Jackson coming back from a season where he got hurt last year and cut short. Um, So there was a lot of things that we thought would potentially be very optimistic for the offense. And through three weeks, they're the best offense in the NFL, at least from a scoring perspective, 33 points a game. Um, EPA is very high. Lamar's looked fantastic. Pretty much everything they've wanted to do, they've been able to do, which which is great to see.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I think that's probably right, that the offense is the more interesting and in-depth area for us to be able to talk about. So why don't we, why don't we start with the defense and kind of what we're seeing there? And, you know, you asked me when we were doing production for this right beforehand, you know, if you had to rate this defense on a scale of how concerned you are from 1 to 10, um, where would you rank it? So I, I have a number in my head, but I'll let you answer first since it's your question.
3: Um, okay, fair enough. I, w- I would say right now I'm at about a 7 to 8, maybe I'll well, set a 7.5, because I think there have been some good things that I've seen. Um, there's a lot of turnovers and a lot of guys making plays in the secondary, um, and, and that's kind of how the defense has survived, but they're giving up a ton of yards, and kind of the secondary or tertiary members of the, of the defense have really been picked on. Um, and and that's something that they're going to have to figure out, whether it's from scheme or just identifying who their guys are and sticking with them.
2: Yeah. You know, when you asked me that question initially, I said 10. And I, and I was half joking, half serious. But, um, you know, I think actually it's not a full 10, right? Because, you know, part of what we're seeing is really good individual performances. And I think that you mentioned that from turnovers, right? Um, Humphrey and Peters both had phenomenal games. Marcus Williams has been everything that you have expected from him. Justin Houston has been, when healthy, a phenomenal player and a serious contributor to this team. So you, you've seen individual guys be able to take this defense to the place that you want to see it perform. Um, I think you've seen a couple guys underperform. Maybe Patrick Queen and Josh Mines would be the two guys you might label as currently, you know, in, in the young corners that you talked about as underperforming. But to me, some of it is, is just... Communication and scheme related issues, and really the Ravens needing to be able to identify where they need to give help, where they're going to get attacked, and where they can leave certain guys, you know, be on an island. So, you know, the big, the big one, the one big passing play on the crosser, the Jalen Armand, Jalen Armour Davis in this game, or again, him was one of those ones where Chuck Clark ends up kind of sitting in like a hook or a robber route underneath that route, and it's almost as though he needs to know that I think it was Peters that was underneath as well, is not going to need the help there, right? And that the potential of a crosser and Armour Davis coming across the field, it is where he's going to need to be. And he needs to be the one to be able to take away that throw. And that's not, that's not a knock on Chuck Clark, because I think that you have to scheme these things up. You have to communicate them in advance. You have to, you have to be thinking about those kind of things. And if the, the Ravens defense can get there, I think you'll, you'll see some of these big chunk plays, at least in the passing game, go away really quickly. Um, I think the real area for concern, though, is that the run defense just is not getting it done. Um, and, and it doesn't. there doesn't appear to be any saving grace here. Josh Bynes appears to have lost that step, that he needs to be an effective run defender. And Patrick Queen, I just don't think, is going to get there at a pro level.
3: Yeah, I think, honestly, that's probably where I'm more concerned at this point. Even though most teams aren't going to have a really good run game, so that's maybe not as big of a concern just from, like, an overall, you know, where the NFL is at today. Like, there's not that many teams that can really pound it down your throat, so to speak, and just make you pay for not being able to stop the run. Um, and a lot of teams are built that way. They're built to, you know, be better against the pass than against the run. So this isn't a Raven-specific issue. But it's not something that we're used to seeing with this defense. Um, Michael Pierce might potentially have a very significant injury. I don't think we know extent of that yet so what we and see but it sounds like he might be headed to IR he might be done for the season which would be very unfortunate um, because I think he's played well through the first you know three games um fortunately Travis Jones came back um you know he was at least a big body he he was he didn't make any particular splash plays of note in this game but um you know I think Justin Matavike has played well um so you, you do still have some players up front um you know brent urban was a healthy scratch in this one so he's someone you could call up to be a little bit more of a significant contributor as well as i think isaiah mack might be in line to be called up for the practice squad he's someone who splashed in the preseason um it's good to have him available if you need that so there could potentially be some reinforcements there um also some reinforcements coming at the edge rusher position you know the Ravens are signing jason pierre paul obviously a vet um he's been around the league for a long time he's a Player who has a lot of career success. Um, he's a been a leader. He's been on some good teams. Um, I think he will help. And then, and then you have to hope that maybe you know Tyus Bowser comes back sometime in the next couple of weeks and hope he can contribute as well. And then that'll that should definitely help out the pass rush. Um, we don't know how long Justin Houston could potentially be out. How serious his groin injury is? Hopefully, not too serious. Um, because like you said, he has been one of the better players up front for the Ravens. So you know all these things. You have to kind of hope that there's a ability to contribute to uh getting to kind of like a mediocre level of defensive play i don't think they're ever going to be like the top five unit that we might have envisioned um at least until there's some different schematic things that can come in and, and really kind of shore up some of the
2: issues we've seen yeah it really does feel like the the depth bug is already catching up to this team though if you're you, you know and it's not I mean, Pierce was a starter, but you've already lost Fuller, your kind of third corner that was going to give you a little insurance to protect some of those running backs. You're losing Pierce now. Um, you know, you're, you're seeing some ineffectiveness from your inside linebackers, from a guy's like Bynes. I know it's not an injury, but I think I would qualify that as age. Um, and it does feel like it's catching up to this team a little bit. But, you know, we talked about it last week. This Ravens team has got a lot of reinforcements that are on the way or could be on the way, you know, and, and even David Ajabo, a guy that you didn't mention is, you know, maybe a guy that comes back week eight, nine, 10, 11, um, and ends up being a contributor down the road as well, and, you know, then, you know, if all these guys are operating together and you, you squeeze something out of Jason Pierre-Paul, you got Houston, you've got Ajabo, you've got Bowser, you've got OA, now you've got a, a set of pass rushers to rotate um, at the right time of the year, so it's concerning now, um, and the depth, I think, in these middle few chunk of games is concerning um, and these are two big games coming up on the schedule with uh, Buffalo um, and Cincinnati but um, you know I think the depth looks better a little bit better better right now long term barring kind of any more hits to any more guys but if, if more if there are any other significant injuries that come in it's gonna <laughs> shades of shades of 2021 are gonna gonna be here in a hurry
3: yeah and like in this past game against New England we saw Clay's Campbell get you know, banged up, and he has come out of the game. Um, He obviously came back and had, I think, a pretty nice game. Um, He was asked to play a lot because of these kind of injuries we've had along the defensive front and he's playing inside he's playing on the edge for them now like he's doing so much he's I think 35 years old like he should not be playing like 90% of your snaps that's not a good place for your defense to be in so you know hopefully getting these reinforcements will allow for a better rotation of players up front Um, hopefully that will keep potentially some of these you know injuries from happening um, I think it's easier to get injured when you're when you're tired, when you're not, you know, maybe at your best out there. So ideally, we we'd like to avoid those situations if possible. Um, but I mean, what, what we've seen um, was mostly a lack of pass rush. I think that's been kind of problematic for the the past two weeks, especially as this defensive line has gotten worn down over the course of the game. Um, you know, and this one maybe a little different. We actually got a little bit of a a boost to the pass rush in the in the fourth quarter. It's kind of one of those things where the momentum is maybe shifting and and they're trying to get after the quarterback a little bit more when you're up with some, like a double-digit lead. Um, so I think that helped, you know, get a couple of big stops late in the game. Um, but we saw the opposite happen against Miami. So I don't think that's something we can count on until we get some reinforcements in that area.
2: You know, the one thing, you know, that there are plenty of things to be concerned about. And I think that, you know, that that seven eight range from you in terms of concern over the defense is justified, but we did see a much improved game from Marcus Peters. He's definitely he was off his pitch count, which was helpful and he had a phenomenal game. Humphrey had a really good game as well. And if you've got those two guys that you can trust on the outside and you know that they're gonna be there and you don't have to worry, you know, about holding a guy like Peters back, I think that does open up, you know, some of the playbook to do some other other protections, and you're also just gonna see really big impact games from guys like Humphrey and Peters. You know, obviously, basically the better part of three turnovers were thanks to both of them, um, and that's gonna that's gonna bail you out of a lot of situations and in, and in games where you know teams aren't able to take advantage of kind of those third fourth the the tertiary options in the Ravens secondary. I um, think you're gonna see Peters and Humphrey end up making a pretty big mark on 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 teams through the season and maybe that's the saving grace until the rest of this team is able to either get healthy or kind of get in sync
3: yeah and, and that's why you know you pay those players you, you have marlon humphrey you have marcus peters they're both you know with two of the higher paid players on the roster they're essentially your stars um, and, and you need to have those type of performances from those type of players um, to win games um, they need to be kind of your lockdown guys um, and then you hope you can scheme around some of the, the weaker um, links in the in the chain, so to speak. So I, I do think that that's got to be the model moving forward, trying to you know, emphasize the, the strengths and trying to find ways to cover up the weaknesses. Um, and this this game, I think, was, was a good example of that. You know, the, the turnovers really, you know, kind of saved the day for a, a defense that led up a lot of yards. Um, you know, especially the turnover in the end zone, the Humphreys interception. You know, they were... Knocking on the door of, of going in and, and basically making it, you know, I th- I, I'm not sure if the Ravens were up two scores or one score at that point, but, you know, this game was basically back and forth for much of the game until, the you know, it kind of got out of hand in the fourth quarter because of the turnovers. But, um, you know, th- if the Ravens are going to have to go, you know, toe-to-toe with, with each team they play, it's, it's going to be a long season. And, and, you know, they have the offense that I think can do that with pretty much any team in, in the league, but it's going to be difficult for To have to have that you know stress to have to score on pretty much every drive or or be at risk of of going down in a game and that's not something I hope we'll have to see Um, and hopefully we can get you know a defense that can be optimistic and and can kind of you know make these key turnovers in in big situations when needed or or at least get a third down stop when they need to and that's something that you know we haven't seen as consistently as we'd like to but I hope that picks up um, you know as the season progresses.
2: Yeah, and a quick shout-out is worth throwing to Kyle Hamilton in this game. Obviously, huge play on the fumble to seal the, essentially seal the game um, and and kind of wrap things up for the Ravens there. Um, but, you know, a guy that was playing more significant snaps up to this point, the Ravens put a lot on his plate through the first two games. They really scaled it back in this game. Um, I think he was on the field for 16 snaps, and, you know, it's a testament to a guy that is not going to give up. And I think we saw Hamilton—Hamilton's one of those guys that— at least in the first couple of games he's always around the ball he was he was always close to making the play he was not terribly in the wrong position um, but I think he, his instincts were leading him astray a little bit or his understanding of what the defense is all the different defenses that he needed to have so you know when you're in cover two versus cover three and when you're the the single high versus the robber and you know all the different things they were asking him to do they they maybe they've narrowed his role down a little bit and and you know, that also could be some of the answers to the concerns here where you're saying, okay, Hamilton, like, we want you to, to play underneath. We're not going like, to give you the deep protection. We're, you know, we're only going to do whatever certain things are going to look like, and we're going to use you effectively there, and then we're going to build on that. I, I think that's a good progression to see from him this season. And, and another thing and another, another reason to have some faith that this Ravens defense will look very different by the time we get to Week 17 or hopefully the playoffs than it would uh, right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you make a good point with Hamilton. He was Rahun's first pick. You know, he has a very strong pedigree coming in. Um, I think he's played well. He's had a few rookie mistakes, but like you said, he does seem to be a guy who's around the ball. He, I think he plays downhill very well. He He's very instinctive, and he re- reacts to things that are going on in front of him. Um, and he may not be best suited to be like your... Your single high safety, um, and, and that's why you have Marcus Williams. Uh, and you know you can move them around a bit and do different things with them. But I'm interested in seeing how his role will expand. Um, you know, having three safeties on the field is something that can give you some flexibility. But there's some you know personnel groups where you don't want to have three safeties on the field. Like you need to have more cornerbacks. Um, so I'm also hoping that there's a you know a third corner that will emerge for the Ravens. Whether you know. Maybe maybe they go back to the Brandon Stevens well and try him again. Uh, maybe this is just the bad matchup for him, or maybe it will just be a matchup dependent thing. You know, some teams might have a guy that Stevens matches up better. Some teams might have a guy that Hamilton is your guy on the field more often. Some teams might have a guy where you want you know Demarion Williams out there. Um, I think they they've all shown flashes of, of very good play this season, and it's just a matter of finding that that player that's going to be able to you know get what you need out of them and not give up
2: the big play. Yeah, you know, I I, I do think it, it'll be interesting to see. And I think we saw Marcus Williams play, you know, and, and with, I haven't watched the All-22 yet, but um, I think we saw Marcus Williams playing more deep, single high, being in the middle of the field, being the center fielder. There were some big plays, but they were still in front of the defense. They weren't those kind of like backbreaking, like the plays that Tyree Hill were so backbreaking two weeks ago. And I think Williams was more in that protector role. And we didn't, you know, he was still around the ball and he still had I think a very good game, but he wasn't you know, they weren't using him quite as much in, in that other way. And I think that's a, o- that's okay when you've got an offense like we have. You know, when you were talking about what you get out of Lamar, make teams drive like and, and we're seeing this as the evolution of defense in the NFL. And I you know, full credit to Dean Pease, you know, during his time, you know, especially the latter part of his time with the Ravens defense, it was very much the same approach where we're gonna make teams work their way down the field. It's gonna to have to be eight, nine, 10, 11 plays. You're gonna to have to earn every bit of it. We're gonna be disciplined. The Ravens have been done a phenomenal job of not getting penalties called on them this year. And then we've got playmakers like Humphrey and Peters and Marcus Williams. And when you make a mistake in some of those instances, we're gonna make you pay for them. And then if you give us a plus two margin of, of possessions in this game, you're just not gonna be able to beat this team. Um, and and if you make a team also drive longer, and this is the thing that drove me the craziest about the Miami game, you make them take the air out of their own clock, right? Like you f- start to force them to change how they have to approach things based on the amount of time that they've got left. If if you're able to, you know, kind of essentially use them to to do their own ball control. So you know, that's what teams are doing to Kansas City. That's what happened to Buffalo in Miami. You know, you see a team that Gains the other team by two hundred total yards. Josh Allen throws the ball sixty times with like forty-five completions. Still loses the game. Make make them work for it, and then and then make a turnover happen, just like the Ravens did in this game.
3: Yeah, and, and one last thing I'll say about the defense before um, we kind of put a bow on it and go, move over to the other side of the ball. Um, but I think one of my concerns is that both in the past two games and against Miami and, and against New England, I think you know the offenses that we have played they've kind of just done what they have put on film. Like they haven't done anything that was like unique to try and attack this defense. They kind of just, you know, did the thing that they've been doing. Um, And I feel like the Ravens didn't have a great plan for that. And that's a little concerning to me because that's kind of like the coordinator to, to identify what does this offense want to do and what am I going to do to try and take that away? And I don't think... That really worked in either of those past two games, and and maybe against Miami, it's a little unfair because I think they actually did a pretty good job through most of the game, and then there was kind of like injuries and and maybe fatigue that kind of bit the Ravens a little bit. I think it was, it was, kind more, of,
2: I think it was more blown assignments than fatigue yeah, in the Miami that, game. Yeah, that that too. But I think
3: those go hand in hand because I think you know blown mm-hmm. assignments sometimes come from fatigue. And being on the field and being young players, you aren't, aren't you know, as familiar with, with what's going on. So, yeah, so it's probably, you know, all those three things combined. But in the end, I would like to see a better scheme, I think, in order to take away what a, a deep, or an offense is trying to do. And to some extent, I think that's happened because, you know, I feel like they felt against Miami that they couldn't really run man-to-man against those two receivers. So they, they did a lot of zones. They tried to make them, kind of just went underneath, um, and that obviously worked for p- part of the game. And then they they just couldn't, you know, they kind of made, made mistakes. And in this game, you know, they played a lot more man, um, at least from what I could tell. Like I said, I haven't seen all 22, but um, you could tell that there was a lot more man coverage. But the fact is that that third receiver, whoever was matched up against wh- whatever you know cornerback was out there, other than Humphreys and Peter, that was the guy that was being targeted and. He he wasn't getting help, and he he was just getting kind of beat in these one-on-one situations. And and there was a lot of in-breaking routes that the Ravens have kind of struggled at covering the middle of the field. So I think that's areas that they can improve. Um, And hopefully, you know, as reinforcements come from the pass rush and the defensive line, that, that also means that, you know, they'll be able to kind of figure out things on the back end a little bit more to go along with that.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I agree completely with your analysis that the Ravens were not defending the things that you would think that other teams would be coming at. But you know what? They they could be working on a lot of different things right now in terms of those installations and the changes um, in terms of the scheme that they wanted to have. So it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. And there's still upside in this defense. But, um, you know, who knows? Maybe the defense is, and this is a crazy thing to be saying as a Baltimore Ravens fan, but maybe the defense is just not going to matter. <laughs> um, and and you know it's great to have legends like Ray Lewis and Ed Reed as Terrell Suggs as kind of the historical guys. But this offense is, I said it when we came into the season, um, and I said it when I said it when we came. I've been saying this since 2019, so it's, I'm a broken record in that regard. <laughs> but Lamar has the ability to take this offense to a place that I I think will be rarefied air for any player in the history of the nfl and at least through the three games that we've seen this year unequivocally lamar jackson has been the best player on the on the field in the games that he has been in and i don't think that there really is a meaningful question at least in my mind that he's been the best player in the league so far this year yeah I, I think
3: that's clearly true um i mean just by going by the numbers like what he's done from you know the touchdown perspective from you know he's leaving the league and in touchdown passes he's i think leading the league in passer rating um he's le- i think top five in rushing yards he has a couple of rushing touchdowns as well like he has the whole thing going and he the on pace numbers that he's he's putting up are, are absolutely insane um and i think if he continues may- maybe not even at this insane level but like even at like a moderately normal pace um, based off of the level of play he's been at, I think he will definitely you know get his second MVP, um, and that's also going to be probably because it's clear how much he means to this Ravens offense. Like he is everything that they do.
2: Um, right? You look at you look at a guy like Jalen Hurts who is having a phenomenal year. He's got a fantastic offensive line in front of him, that's completely intact. He's got two top end wide receivers. He's got a a great tight end as well. A great stable of running backs behind him. You know at least up to this point in the season lamar jackson is playing behind a line that still has had some question marks in terms of both kind of of injuries and kind of whatever else you want to consider those i think that nobody thinks that at least at this point um rashad bateman and devin Duvernay are Devonte smith and aj brown so you know no one's better in my opinion than uh, mark andrews in the league at tight end right now but um you know ultimately You know, you say, well, maybe Lamar pulls back a little bit. I think the only thing that can pull Lamar back is the running, like the running game getting going and Dobbins and Edwards coming back or Justice Hill. We can we'll talk about the running backs, but the running, the running game seeing, you know, really significant improvements and then the Ravens just turn into a clock grinding team. Um, That could slow him down. I think the Ravens running, like if if the second half of games looks. Like, in this New England game, it was, like, the first half. Then you could see Lamar not playing a lot like we did in 2019. That could potentially slow him down. But I don't think anything that we're seeing from Lamar right now is anything particularly otherworldly, like, in, in terms of kind of, like, how things have played out. It's not like the Ravens have been lucky in terms of, like, the number of possessions they've had or, like, situational stuff. And, like, they've gotten a bunch of turnovers inside their own red zone, and so it's just, like, left Lamar in really good position. He's just making really good reads and really good throws. He's mastering the pocket and his, his awareness and his ability to do that has been phenomenal this year. And the weight that he put on has not affected his ability to run the ball. And he's been phenomenal as a runner, even without a running game for the rest of this team. Um, and so I, it's almost like this is, this should be what we expect from Lamar as the standard, I think. Um, and that only if really crazy things happen in in a positively beneficial way that that you would get an even kind of better better performance. But I think this is I think this is just what we're going to get from Lamar for the rest of his career.
3: Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and you know, at some point as he gets older, he probably will you know move away from the the run running a little bit more. Um, I mean, I mean, I think he'll run less probably as, as he continues to to grow as a quarterback. Um, but that's always going to be a part of his game. He's always going to be a very athletic person. Um, but he, he's shown this year that he can do it from, from anywhere. You know, he's been a complete pocket passer. Um, he's really done an excellent job of navigating the pocket, you know, keeping his eyes downfield, like finding open receivers, um, you know, breaking the pocket when he needs to, but still keeping, you know, looking downfield and trying to make a play with his, with his arm before he, you know, he takes off on the scrambles. Um, he hasn't had that many scrambles this year. I think it's maybe like four or five. Um, most of the yardage he's picked up has been on designed runs. And, and even then, he's been extremely efficient in, in those plays. Um, you know, aside from maybe a couple of game, those runs um, in the Miami game where they weren't able to pick up short yard situations. But um, overall, he's, he's been extremely explosive um, in both the running game and the passing game. Um, and it's just been, you know, a joy to watch. And, you know, be, before like we move on to kind of a little bit more of the The nuance of of what was happening i just want to also give credit to i think greg roman and the offensive coaching staff because what a lot of things that we've been talking about um from like schematically like you know not always running on first down you know more play action under center doing different things with the run game in terms of like you know you see some zone here we see some like pin pull we see still a lot of the same like you know pull like gap schemes as well um, but it's a, a more advanced offense and it's been you know executed extremely well for the most part. There have been some issues with blocking in the run game in particular but overall I think just what's being put together from a schematic perspective is what we wanted this offense to look like and it's been, you know, obviously that it's paying dividends. Like It's clicking at an extremely high level.
2: Yeah, I, I you know, it, it is, it's definitely working in burst and I think, you know, it's not a, there have been a few moments where it has felt like things have stayed, been a little stubborn, but the Ravens have moved on from those things pretty quickly. We, d- we have not seen them really try and force the issue on kind of some like the short yardage situations is a good example where we've, we, I think we saw a lot of evolution in that, even from game two to game three. So we, we want to kind of see those things happening. Um, and if they do, then again, the sky remains the limit because if Justin Tucker doesn't have to be on the field for this team to kick field goals because they're scoring touchdowns on the regular, there's just uh, you're going to have to have a performance like you got from Miami at the end of games. And the Ravens aren't going to lose, lose games, they aren't going to lose another game like they lost to Miami this year. That, that is like where they're up kind of multiple scores and they're going to get beat over the top. And it's going to be huge chunks of time that, or you know, huge chunk plays that are kind of creating those touchdowns. So it's almost good in a sense that the Ravens got that out of their system. They understand what that looks like. They know they know not to be beat in that way. So that's not going to be kind of the thing that, that ends up stinging them um, when it comes down to it. But the Mar's ability to just be a genuine red zone threat at all times, you know, really more like 25 or 30 yards of, of scoring a touchdown from any part of the field kind of at that range just makes this... It makes it an undefendable team. Um and it is good to see that Greg Roman kind of kind of getting all that intact. I think the one thing I would worry about for this team is that the offensive line depth could become an issue. We're down to you know, what is now our fourth left left tackle. Um, I thought Ben Powers had a better game this game. Um, but I do worry a little bit that another another hit to the offensive line in terms of health could be could be a real doozy for this team.
3: Yeah, it's 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 a little scary, um, especially I think if you go back to this New England game after McCarri went out um and Valeri went in to play left tackle there was a couple of plays where Morgan Moses got a little nicked up and he was kind of like hobbling around and I, I was like what happens if Morgan Moses goes down and then who do you play at tackle um that's that is a nightmare scenario um with, with Stanley still you know coming back from from the ankle injury um you have to hope that he's close to getting back on the field um you have to hope that patrick macari's ankle injury isn't serious you know we i think the report came out today that it was a low ankle sprain that tends to have a shorter turnaround than like one of those lingering high ankle injuries that can last you know a month or longer so you know it's, it's possible that macari is ready to go um next week and it's possible stanley's ready to go next week um but you know, if, if not, then you have to lean on Falele and probably have to elevate somebody off the practice squad. I think Daniel Sharp, is that his name? I think they still have him. Mm-hmm. So he's probably going to be like your reserve tackle if you need that. It's not an ideal scenario, but at least you have someone who's been like in the building and around the team for a couple of years. Um, so it's, it's, it is it's a scary situation. Um, I do want to give credit to Daniel Falele, who's never played left tackle in his entire career in college um, he came in um, he had some struggles early on in that game there's a couple of drives it got kind of torpedoed because of some poor play but I think we saw him improve over the course of the game and you know if, if he is your your swing tackle re- fourth reserve option then I think you're not in the worst place in the world because I think they actually came together and gelled pretty well in that second half um, the running game got going and you know I, i'm pretty happy that that's your your worst option you i think you can do a lot worse I think Ravens have been in worse scenarios in the past whether it was as you know as recent as this last season where you had umnate I mean, or two seasons ago i think i think the right tackle situation was was really poor um and mm-hmm. and obviously last year it was Bill a away at left tackle and then it was kind of trying a couple of other guys at right tackle so I'm thinking that it could be it could be worse than what, where they're at right now.
2: Yeah, to me, it's one of those situations where you just hope that you can get a little bit close to average play out of any of the backups that are ultimately coming in. And I think that you know we talk about I mentioned earlier Lamar's pocket presence has really seemed to improve this year. Um, and I think is, there were probably three or four plays um, this game that he just got out of pressure and turned it into, you know, a couple of them didn't turn into anything. They were incomplete passes, but he, his ability to maneuver within the pocket, to get away from guys, to bail out his offensive linemen. I mean, Lamar Jackson made Orlando Brown Jr. a lot of money. <laughs> and, and it, you know, it'll be really interesting to see what Kansas City ultimately does uh, with Orlando Brown and how much they end up paying him. But it goes to show you that, you know, when Vilela was playing terrible and, and you know, I, I do think he deserves credit for coming and playing position he never played. All of those things, but but when he was in the first half at left tackle, it was pretty much the worst performance that you could see from a left tackle, and that unplugged the offense. Once that picked back up, the Ravens were completely on fire in second in the second half in terms of what they were able to do. And I don't think that there were significant changes to what the the approach was on offense at that point. Um, so that, it's just good to know that if you can get decently close to league at least average kind of performances from these offensive linemen, I think they'll be all right. And the bottom line is we hope Ronnie Stanley is back soon. You know, he didn't go on the physically unable to perform list to start the year or the IR. Um, that tells me that he's a guy that was at least trying to at least trying to get back for this game in Buffalo. That, that's, that is the only point of him not staying on the physically unable to perform list. Right. And not getting the practice practices and waiting until week five to come back.
3: Well, well I think the key there is the practice because if you're on the pup list or if you're on the IR you can't practice with the team. So if you're on the active roster you can be out there practicing, and getting in an individual work, um, you know, being able to do like the limited practices that he's been doing. So I, I don't disagree with you that, you know, week four might have been kind of circled on the on the calendar as this is when we'd like to have you back. It's a big game obviously, uh, week five as well. Um, but I think also that it gives him kind of like a month of ramp up time to be out there practicing with the team because when you've been away from the game for as long as he has, I think having that build up and having that trust both in himself and in the, the offensive lines schematically as, as a whole, I think that all, all that matters. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm cautiously optimistic that maybe this will be the week, um, but I think it'll be soon. And I think, you know, they, they, they really can't afford to probably go the entire season without him so at some point I'm pretty sure he will be but um the the potential of getting him out there and then having you know taking an offensive line that so far is I think in pass protection has been pretty good you know outside of a few issues here and there this past week with Lele coming in You know, Lamar hasn't been under pressure like he has been in years past, but I'm thinking specifically about last year where I feel like it was every other drop back, he was under pressure. It's been better so far this year, and I think that's definitely a step in the right direction.
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, and let's talk about, you know, a dynamic that Randy Stanley could potentially bring back to this team that we saw back in spades in this game, which was the option running game, you know, the Ravens were pulling every which way every which guy there were plays where zeitler and moses were pulling in one direction together which is not something that you know i think we had a lot of anticipation for headed into this year but we saw a lot of different pulls a lot of different action you had lamar you know giving him that that read um and not just some running plays you know they folded in some run pass options into all that i mean the end around fakes the running pack fakes i mean New England was being stressed um, to the ends of both sides of the defense on, on a regular basis and ultimately cracked under the pressure of, you know, what that option running game brought back to this team. It's very much like kind of the Giants game of the 2020 season, as I kind of recall it, as being that turning point of when, you know, with the counter-bash kind of coming, coming into play and then just being the presence of what they did for the rest of the year. Ironically enough, also with J.K. Dobbins.
3: Yeah, um, and, and that's interesting that maybe there is that that through line with with Dobbins coming back, um, and him being kind of an important part of that option running game. But this definitely was the the week that we've seen more of it than we have um, in the past couple weeks, um, and it's, it's also maybe an, an homage to that the twenty nineteen game against the Patriots um, where. where and that might have been, like, the Ravens' offensive coming-out party. And they had the Patriots' defense in fits that year, if, if I'm remembering correctly, with, with the option, with the read option. Um, and, you know, that was a, a season where the Patriots, I don't know if you remember this, but they were a dominant defense heading to that game. And they were giving up, like, seven points a game. Like, they were, I think, I don't know if they were undefeated. They might have had one loss at that point. But they were seen as, like, the cream of the crop of, of the AFC. And then the, the upstart Ravens come and just smash them. Um, and, and this game was not quite as like obvious maybe and and kind of like uh you know because the Ravens were you know favored they were expected to be the better team going into this one but um it was impressive performance by the offensive line by that, that scheme that you know was employed um it, it the, the Patriots didn't really have any um any op- option to handle this running game like they were being hammered by it and you know the, the Ravens. this is the Ravens you know rushing attack that we've seen over the past well I don't see last year because it was really terrible last year but in 2019 and 2020 that was really really hard to defend and if, if you can have that that clicking at a high level along with you know the the evolution of Lamar as, as a passer as a pocket passer um as an under center quarterback um it, it's really going to just have a sky is the limit kind of thing for this offense and it's going to be exciting to see it as i think they're going to continue to break out even more and more things as dobbins gets back healthy, as stanley gets healthy um we'll see maybe even nick boyle can come back and be and be an integral part of the blocking game because he was a really key part of, the, of that option uh, blocking scheme that they've had in the past as well
2: yeah, well, there were a few plays that stood out to me during this option game that I thought were really effective. One of them, one of them was probably the more obvious one that everyone remembers, which was the first touchdown to Andrews um, on the option play. And Lamar does such an effective job of spacing the field and drawing the defenders to him, um, and and they completely collapse on him in a way that they probably wouldn't collapse against, you know, any anybody else. Um, and that plays borderline I think undefensible for a lot of teams because if if those two defenders don't commit to Lamar like that he's going to beat one of them to the edge and he's probably going to score a touchdown no matter what Um, if the other guy sags back and continues to to cover Andrews it does take away that pass but it's going to give Lamar that open option to run Um, and so in this instance they both collapse to Lamar and teams are just going to have to make that choice they're going to have to decide what they want to do and I think ultimately you'll see teams if that play were to be run For the rest of the year, you know, in those situations, I think teams will continue to make the decision to force Lamar to try and throw that and throw a shovel pass and create the opportunity to have something get messed up in that part of the process. Um, Because they know that Lamar's so electric when he's running to the, especially when he's running to the pylon like that, that in one-on-one situations, other than maybe like, Aaron Donald and a handful of edge defenders that are super twitchy and unbelievably fast, or guys that are just not gonna be able to defend him in plays like that.
3: Yeah, and, and that wasn't the only option passed to Andrews in this drive either. Because there was yeah um uh, I think it was earlier on there was it was kind of like a, a fake to the back, I think it was Justice Hill at that in this play, and then Andrews was kind of just like sitting for like a basically like a wide receiver screen. He was flexed out as a wide receiver. Um, and it was, he was basically uncovered. Um, and it was just an easy kind of like RPO to Andrews. Um, and he picked up, I don't know, like 15, 20 yards because there was like a blocker out in front. And it was just a really nicely designed play and an easy chunk yardage. Um, and I feel like we saw plays like that, you know, throughout the course of this game, um, there was another shovel pass to Isaiah likely um, that we saw go for, I think that one was only one for like eight yards, but still it was you know very effective um and the defense looked completely caught off guard you know you just have like one or two blockers out front and, and that's a nice pickup and that's just kind of opening up the playbook and you know we're only through three weeks but you know i think in the off season we heard greg roman talk about you know i think he can finally like access the entirety of the playbook and whether that was you know a backhanded compliment or, or however you want to take that uh, i think we're actually seeing that happening and I think it's really it's fun to watch because it's it's something that we've wanted to see for a long time but it's also just goes to like the talent level of, of Lamar that he can like take on all these different things because most quarterbacks don't have you know the option game as like a major part of the offense and then have like the normal like drop back passing game but he's doing both of them as long and being like the number one rusher on the team and being like a dominant passer it's just incredible what he's taken on.
2: No, it definitely is. but And, you know, I, what I wanted to try and do in, in kind of this discussion is talk a little bit about some of these other position groups too, though, because look, we could talk about, I could, <laughs> I could talk about Lamar for three hours and all the different things that he does and all the ways and the dynamics of kind of, of, of how he's effective. The other play that, that really stood out to me with Lamar was the one option where he took it on the quarterback power play um, and you had Zeitler pulling in front of him. And basically, Lamar uses Zeitler was patient lets him get into his block and then it's just an easy 15 yard gain um and I think like I like I'll talk about Lamar for a long time the other thing I'll say is Lamar's done a really good job of not taking big hits like he gets out of bounds he gets down he gets out of the way his body has not been on the line I I, I didn't really there wasn't a hit at least in this game that I felt like Lamar was super super at risk um but I do think that he's been getting some contributions from some of the other guys um, in the locker room on offense, which, you know, they're, we're, we're kind of aligned, you know, I feel like there was a lot of criticism about non-Lamar Ravens offensive players um, headed into this year. And there are a few guys that I think that really deserve a little bit of credit and, and shout outs here.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, and I think the obvious candidate for that is Devin DuVernay, who's really stepped up into like the number two wide receiver role. Um, I think he has three touchdowns now in the season. Oh, four touchdowns, if you, include four touchdowns. Return, if you include the return touchdown, right? Yep. Um, and he's been used in the passing game, I think, more than he has in previous years, especially more like downfield passing and intermediate passing. Um, he was kind of, kind of like a gadget player before. Maybe he would get like a wide receiver screen or kind of a quick slant kind of thing, but he's definitely been an actual like contributor in, in a significant way um, and then you know he's still being used in some of these jet motions and you know there were a couple of like fakes to him that were working really well and in, in this game in particular um, you know he the he hasn't had any big kind of gains on when he's kept the ball I think there were two plays where he, he had he had runs and it didn't really pick up much in this game but you know that might come it just, and it kind of depends on how it's blocked and how it's, it's schemed up as well but um, I think just having him and his speed and and his ability is is a real nice complement to what the other skilled players on this team are you know i think you have a, a better known quantity with with andrews and bateman that we had expectations for them coming in but duvernay we didn't really have that kind of expectation for him, and he's gone well above and beyond what i think anybody expected
2: yeah it's one of those interesting things where some of that was also opportunity and it felt like duvernay just never really got that chance you know we heard about his hands coming out of college and how sticky they were. We've definitely seen that this year. Yeah. You know, it felt like on the deep passes that DuVernay in prior years, like he just, he really just didn't get a fair chance, right? Like there were not opportunities for him to showcase those hands and do those things. I think there's some irony that the Ravens are using even less wide receivers than it feels like they ever have um, in the Lamar Jackson era. um, And DuVernay is still making this impact as well. And I think that's, that's something that, you know, full credit to him to be able to take the opportunity and moments that have been there. Um, and, it, you know, I know Prochet hasn't been active, but, you know, similar kind, you know, obviously a little bit or a lot better pedigree from Duvernay, at least from where he played in college. But, you know, you heard similar things about those two guys. And I, you know, I want sticky-handed wide receivers that, you know, find ways to get open when they need to. Um, and it's nice to know that the Ravens have finally been able to kind of take one of those guys that they have drafted and turn him into someone that, that actually gets a decent role on the team.
3: Yeah, and it's it's nice to see that Lamar has faith in him because I think, you know, whether or not that that was there or wasn't there in previous years, it's, it seemed like you know it was it was Hollywood and it was it was Andrews and those are the two guys that Lamar wanted to pass to, um, and this year that's expanded. You know, he's been willing to throw to, to more targets and, and spread the ball out more, and I think that's really important and it's a big step for the, the offense moving forward.
0: I,
2: I, you know, and I also want to give you know, Rashad Bateman has not been phenomenal. That that fumble, the fumble was not a fumble. I and I still don't know how that play ultimately wasn't reviewed and at least at least specifically ruled on. Um, but that shiver move that he put on the corner in the fourth quarter goes to show what where the upside is for Bateman as well. Because that was, I mean, I mean, he baked that guy out of his pads. Um, and Bateman has been pretty consistent this year in terms of what you're able to get from him his separation his ability to catch the ball um, his hands have been consistent and Lamar really does seem to trust him as well too
3: yeah and I I think Bateman has done everything that's been asked for the most part like maybe there's like a a couple of drops or in this case a fumble that you obviously would like to see corrected but um, he's been I think a really important part of, of this offense and he's maybe taken on that role of, of being a true number one where he's getting some you know some attention from the defense um I think that happened to a certain extent in this game where he was kind of gaining some of the attention and maybe letting some of the other players have more single opportunity coverages I don't know that for certain but I think I saw a little bit of that from what I could see um he's just a, a really special ability after the catch which I didn't know he had um coming out of college I knew he was kind of like decent in that area but he's as looked at the stats today he's averaging 13.7 yards after catch per per tar, per catch which obviously stems a lot from that long run catch and run he had against miami but like still like it's not just that one he talked about the, the play in this game where he picked up like 20 yards after the catch and he said other you know plays like that as well um and i think you know, he's going to be someone who is a consistent you know important part of this this offense moving forward He's number four in the NFL um, in yards per route run, over three yards per route run, and he's not on the field as much as some of these other wide receivers, and he might be part of that, but that's an efficiency stat, and that's incredibly good. That's something that, you know, we've seen Mark Andrews be extremely high on it in the past, but to have, like, your number one wide receiver and your number one tight end both putting up incredibly high efficiency stats is, you know, is a big part of why this offense is so successful
2: yeah and you know i i thought it was funny before we started talking about this i looked up where the total targets were in or the total receptions for this team and of all of the 56 catches not including bateman and duvernay there have only been four catches by two other wide receivers total (laughs) um in the balance of the season so it'll be it'll be pretty interesting to watch you know basically Four catches for 40 yards from non Bateman and Duvernay receivers, um, and what that number ends up extrapolating out to the end of the year. I mean, I think it'll ultimately be more, and I think Demarcus Robinson is going to have a game where he pops off because um, they're going to use him on some double moves. But it would be fascinating to see that group of guys, <laughs> that group of players end up with like less than 300, you know, all other non Bateman Duvernay receivers having a total of less than 300 yards and still seeing this offense put up the performance that we're probably going to see from it.
3: Yeah, and I said th- I think by the end of the season, you know, Bateman and Andrews will probably both be over 1,000 yards, I think, pretty easily, at, at least in my oh, opinion. Oh, for sure. And Duvernay, yeah, no. you know, he's probably going to be five, 600 as well. And, and then, like, who's who's going to be, like, the next option? I, th- I think it's probably likely, right? I would imagine if I'm guessing he's probably the, the next option in terms of receiving. Yeah,
2: yards. well, he's got 11 targets on the year compared to seven for DeMarcus Robinson anyway. So, um, he's definitely the next target. But I I think this puts to bed some of the silly narrative around, oh, you need to have four options of wide receiver, you need blah, 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 amount of depth and all these kind of things. You know, we still have some deficiencies in terms of the offense overall, but it's working just fine and likely has had some big drops. Frankly, Mark Andrews, this this team still has maybe not a drops problem, but there have just, there have probably been seven or eight throws that Lamar has made that I thought were good that should have turned into catches this year um, that haven't. But that still just speaks to the volume of the quality. And, you know, let's talk about the tight ends a little bit. You know, Mark Andrews has been phenomenal. He's, he's, I think, still think he's the best tight end in the league. Um, I think he's going to, for the second consecutive year, put up the best numbers in terms of tight ends in the league. And, you know, you and I talked about this when Andrews came into the NFL. I said that you know, he prototyped a lot to Travis Kelsey, and his career has aligned just like that, and he's, I'd say, even gotten a little bit better at a little bit younger of an age.
3: Yeah, there is um, there's someone who was tweeting about the comparison that you just spoke to, the Kelsey versus Andrews, um, and I, f- I forget who it was, but...
2: Oh, he's stealing basically, my material? <laughs> basically, yeah,
3: basically stealing your material and looking at them both from, like, a year that they were drafted... And like their production, and also like their right. age. And if you look at their yeah. age, it's even more impressive for Andrews because he's he came into the league I think two years younger than than Kel- Kelsey did. Um, and and Ke- and Andrews
2: Kelsey redshirted a year, right? Yeah, Kelsey, yeah, for exactly. A year he barely played for injury. Yeah,
3: exactly. So Andrews is basically replicating the career success of Kelsey's, but starting at a younger age and being a little bit more successful even at that starting point. So, you know we'll see how, how this continues to progress for him but he is right now i think hands down the best tight end in football and it's it's frankly i don't even know if it's even close at this point like what he can do and you know you mentioned a couple of of the drops which you know it happens like he's not perfect but he has really turned into a contested catch player he's obviously you know lamar's kind of favorite target um and like a mm. third down you need to get however many yards he's, he's the guy you're looking at um but his ability to to win in coverage and ability to kind of like be on the same page with with the quarterback with 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 Lamar Jackson on pretty much everything that's happening on the field it's it's remarkable he's always making himself available for for Lamar when he's like scrambling or making something happen with his feet and it's just it's just something that's it's really fun to watch and they're going to continue to be one of the best duos that we have in the NFL for, for many, many years.
2: Yeah, and I, you know what? I, I like how the Ravens are also using Isaiah Likely. I mean, he obviously he was never going to be able to be featured like he was as much in that one preseason game. Um, but I think, he you know, he has held up well. And, and you, ha- you know, it, it's always easy to think that rookies can come into the NFL um, and just perform, and especially rookies at tight end. And that just historically doesn't. Happen ever <laughs> really with anyone, and you know even when you go back and look at Mark Andrews' numbers, like they're just they're not overwhelming. um And if Likely can stay on that trajectory where he continues to kind of be at kind of like a, a third to like forty percent of what you're getting from Andrews is the second guy, the dynamic ability of of them to use Likely and Andrews as as threats together as we get into the end of the year and to stay in this base of twelve personnel really effectively, I think is just an area of incredible upside for this Ravens offense as well.
3: Yeah. And, uh, you know, th- this whole personnel grouping with, with normally it's, it's Duvernay and Bateman and Andrews and likely. And, you know, one could argue that it's almost more like an 11 personnel with likely kind of just being like a big, you know, slot wide receiver who can also line up in line, you know, and do some things for you if you want. But, you know, he's, it, it, it's just been very productive for, for them so far. And, and the, receiving threats you have with the speed, with, with the wide receivers, um, and then obviously the tight ends who are capable of, of getting open and making plays, it's it's really going to be difficult for teams to defend, and if they can start running effectively out of that personnel grouping, it's just going to be dynamic. I, I don't see how, how teams are going to defend it, especially with, with Lamar and the threat that he brings as well.
2: Well, and one of the other things that I think we've seen Lamar be criticized for and I don't know that I always thought it was fair. Fair, but Lamar certainly coming into this year was criticized for not being kind of like that field general kind of guy, not being able to read the field. That was part of kind of part of the criticism of his inability to read the blitz from the I'm making air quotes from the Miami series uh, or the Miami game going back to last year. The Ravens have done a better job of getting to the line of scrimmage sooner, but I think Lamar has done a fantastic job of reading defenses, checks changes of alignments, and then making the right reads in those situations. He's been, his numbers have been, I don't have them in front of me, they've been staggering against the Blitz. Just, just go on Twitter, search for Lamar Jackson and Blitz, and the numbers are gonna come up. I think it's like 22 for 26, and like six or seven touchdowns. It's just been phenomenal overall numbers for him. Um, and he's been really good at the line of scrimmage. This 12 personnel grouping gives them the ability, if they want to, to press to the line of scrimmage more often, to put teams under stress. There were, there were, I want to say th- at least two or three different times in, in both this game and the Miami game where the Ravens were at the line of scrimmage and because of subs they weren't able to snap the ball. But that, that doesn't, I don't feel like I remember that from, you know, Ravens teams from kind of the prior two or three years.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that is one thing that they could, be doing more is, is staying in the same personnel grouping um, and keeping teams on the field and, and kind of using pace um, and keeping them and in, in, you know whatever personnel that the Ravens want them to be in is, and that's one of the good things about you know having flexibility with, with the tight ends is you can you can kind of dictate what, what a defense can do. So I think that's an area that they can continue to exploit even more. So that's something that I think we should be keeping our eye out for as as the season progresses. But I agree with you from what you're saying about Lamar and his command of the offense and identifying, you know, you know pre snap um, what what teams are trying to do and and post snap and really uh, like seeing from like. What's going on in front of him to like understand you know what he has to do in terms of whether it's finding a hot route or whether it's changing the play um, and and getting into a better protection whatever it may be you know he's in full control and that's something that I think at times you know maybe he wasn't allowed to do with the offense or maybe it was something that he was still learning to a certain extent but he's definitely there now and that and that's definitely another facet as to why the offense is clicking at the level it is.
2: Yeah, well, as you know, we we wrap this up. I think that there's. You know, we talked a little bit about J.K. Dobbins and, and how it feels like Lamar feels more comfortable with him at the mesh point. Um, and it's clear that the Ravens do not trust Mike Davis or Kenyon Drake at the mesh and And don't even, you know, very frustrating signing of, of both of those guys. I mean, it feels like they rushed into the Drake signing um, without even giving Mike Davis a chance to kind of earn that role and could have saved a million dollars against the cap by by not doing that. But um but with those match point runs and Dobbins coming back, but, you know, Jake Justice Hill might have stolen the show at running back in terms of what he brought at you know as the second guy into the games this week. And, and a guy that I've criticized that doesn't hit the hole when it's there hard enough has always been a little hesitant and kind of was always trying to put a few two moves on too many guys and not making things happen when he had opportunities there. Um, certainly took advantage of them this game and, and looked very good.
3: Yeah, this might have been his... I don't know if this is his best games. I think there was that game a couple of years back against the Steelers where he looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but they at least in terms... <laughs> well, in, in this game, he had several good runs. Um, Correct. And he, he is seemingly coming in as the number one back, at least in terms of snaps, for the past two weeks. Um, we'll, we'll see how long that lasts for. I think, you know, Dobbins probably is still on a bit of a pitch count. It seemed like they wanted to get him integrated early, um, but they probably had a, a number of snaps that they were going to try and limit it to, especially with, you know, Hill coming in and being effective in, in what he was doing. And it seemed like Lamar did find chemistry with, with Hill in terms of, like, the read read option type plays, because there were a number of, of those mesh kind of handoffs with, with Hill, and there was no issue at all. Everything looked smooth. Um, it kept, you know, the defense off guard, clearly. They were very effective in, in those plays, so... I'm confident with him in there. I think um, you know last week he did very well in pass protection. I think this week he kind of struggled in that. So that's going to be something to keep some attention to. But I think you know just having his speed, his explosiveness, um, and that ability to kind of be a change of pace if they need it. I think that's a nice um, you know option to have in your back pocket. And. You know, he he was kind of roasted last week because there was that one run play where there was like this mm-hmm. whole massive lane in front of him, and he kind of just ran out of balance instead of taking it, which would, would have been an easy touchdown. I think in this game he he made up for that. Um, he he showed that vision. He showed that explosiveness in the open field, and he was a big part of of why you know the offense kind of got back on track. I think in this game in particular.
2: Yeah. He, well, the idea of being able to have a Dobbins Edwards hill one two three punch when they get to the end of the year um, is nice to know and, and thinking back to 2019 it's nice to know that you've got guys that are coming back and progressing and and potentially going to be better than they are by the end of the year than they were at the start of the year you saw kind of the opposite of that in 2019 where we had um, Mark Ingram just kind of still effective but you know the effectiveness level dropped significantly by the time he got to the end of the year and he just wore down so to have three guys that Potentially they could rotate through and you know, maybe Gus Edwards only sees half the season, but um could give you some of those short down opportunities and allow you to run in kind of third and fourth and short with him, um, in a way that, that they didn't trust from before Dobbins came back as well. Um are all super kind of big optimism things that I think that you get for this team and it's nice to see Justice Hill being a relief of, of finally getting a running back to go with J. K. Dobbins, um, as being effective. J.K. Dobbins also looked very good for his first game back, I thought. Um you know, I think everybody's probably seen on social media the his stiff arm on um, on the one defender on his first play, but I, he had another really nice catch on the right sideline. He had another play where he was he was through the a gap and he was just barely tripped up. And if he hadn't been, I think he would have broken a long run as well. So um, really good to see him back and being kind of he he just seemed to flow through the game really well um, for a guy coming off the injuries that we've heard he's had.
3: Yeah, I, I think it was a great first game for Dobbins. Um, He had a couple of nice catches in the passing game. Um, He didn't show any obvious lingering effects from the injury, which is obviously a a huge part of it. Um, You know, he didn't pick up any huge chunk gains, um, you know, like we saw Hill get in this game. But I think those will come. Obviously, he was incredibly effective back in 2020 in his rookie year. He picked up, you know, consistently, you know, yards after contact, um, big gains. Um, in open field, he was able to bounce off defenders. He had incredible balance through contact, um, and I think that's something that's going to, you know, just make take, you know, the offense to a, another level when he when he is able to be, you know, back to that that full J.K. Dobbins that we saw earlier on as a rookie, and and it's just n- another element to this offense that teams are going to be terrified about as as they go up and try to defend this this what so far has, has been pretty much unstoppable. The only thing that has stopped this Ravens. The offense has been you know when they've kind of stopped themselves and some of the the bad you know blocking and short yard situations has really been the the only area where they've
2: failed this year yeah well a big game coming up against buffalo who is a banged up team on defense and and you know hopefully the ravens are able to take advantage of that it's a game that gets to be at home um ravens get back to baltimore so they got cincinnati the week after that it's going to it's a really important, maybe not important two weeks but in, important in the sense that one we get to find out whether or not some of these guys on short term IR and um, I mean, physically unable to perform this, where they are in terms of practice and where they are in terms of coming back Ronnie Stanley is right on the cusp of coming back you continue to see Dobbins and Peters continue to contribute as guys that are coming off injuries and it, it makes it it makes it more than interesting beyond just the two big games that they have but you know either way you know Cincinnati has an opportunity to, you know, the Ravens will have a chance to bury them in the standings, you know, in that game and obviously, you know, put Buffalo really far behind the eight ball in terms of where the overall AFC hierarchy is if they can win both these games.
3: Yeah, I mean, this this two-game stretch might, I mean, there's, there's a lot of divisional games in like the, in the end of this uh, season, but this two-game stretch is really, really big. And if they can somehow come away with two wins, um, that would, you know, put them in the driver's seat. For, for the AFC, and I think um, they have the potential to win both. They, they they definitely look like they've been a better team than Cincinnati. I'll say that um, with, without any, um, you know, homerism, I think. It, it, they've just been, like, much better, especially on offense. And, and then, the, the Bills, you know, they've looked dominant in a couple of games, and last week, they kind of came down to earth a little bit. Um, they are another team that's dealing with injuries, so this is going to be an interesting one. It's, in baltimore i think which is going to be nice um not you know to have the the friendly confines of mt bank stadium as opposed to having to go on the road to play a very good team but um it's you know this this isn't going to be like the season you know they don't have to win this game to 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 have a very good season but if they can come away with one and even better two wins or this two game stretch it's going to really set them up nicely for the rest of the year
2: yeah, well, um, I'm I'm excited for these upcoming two weeks. I think it's going to be big. I'm excited to see this team continue to grow from here. Um, it was good to see them bounce back from Miami. If you guys want to hear more about kind of what Rick, Gabe and I think about the Ravens and where we are with those, you can find us on Twitter. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at Ravens Sit Room. Um, we'd love to see you there. We're trying to get content out there to talk about Ravens. Gabe talked a little bit about um some of the other things that he's been retweeting as well so we'd love to get some conversations going out there on social media as well so um thanks for joining us and we'll hope to see you next time in the situation room